So this guy goes to New York to attend a concert at Carnegie Hall. And while he's in New York looking for it, he gets lost and he, he can't find where he's supposed to go and, and all the buildings are looking the same and he's starting to get frantic. And he finally sees a guy carrying a violin case. And so he runs up to this man and he says, sir, can you please tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall? The musician smiles and says, practice, practice, practice. This is the fourth sermon in our series, Life Goals, as we look into how we receive revelation through allowing God to adjust our priorities, our perspectives, and today, our practices, our practices. The definition of practice is the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method. And I want to start backwards today. We preachers like to save the application for the end of the sermon, but that's where I want to start today. I want to ask you a question. What practices can you establish in your life that could position you to receive God's revelation? What practices can you establish in your life that could position you to receive God's revelation? I think we need to gain some common ground first, though. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that God still speaks today? If yes, say yes. yes. Awesome. That's revelation. That's revelation. Revelation is God speaking to humans. Okay. Do you want to hear from God? Yes. yes. Okay. Awesome. So the only question left to ask this morning is this. How do we hear from God? What is our role in this conversation? What are the things that we can do to position ourselves to hear God's voice? And if you already feel like you're hearing God's voice, maybe I would ask, what are some things that you can do to hear it more clearly, hear him more often, and maybe in a deeper way? And I'm not talking today mostly about how God speaks or the method with which he uses to speak. We know, right? Prayer, scripture, uh, other people, speaking to us, dreams and visions, nature, he speaks to us through nature. So I'm not talking about that. What I wanna focus on is what our role in the conversation is because all of the ways that God speaks to us will be lost on us if our attitudes and actions are messed up. There are things that we can do that enable or hinder God's voice in our lives. And although Jesus asks us to come to him with a childlike faith, sometimes I think we come to him with more of a teenager's attitude. My ability to speak to my six-year-old is very different than my ability to speak to my 13-year-olds, amen? Just last week, Abby Wren was playing outside and she fell and skinned her knees and hands and she came in and she was crying and I kind of cleaned her up. And while I was cleaning her up, I was telling her stories about how when I was a kid and and I got hurt and, you know, I wrecked my bike and whatnot. And she was just enthralled with these stories. And her friend came in to check in on her. And she was like, tell, tell her what you told me. And I'm like, these stories aren't that great. I was just trying to get your mind off the pain, you know. But she just loved hearing those stories. Contrast that with my 13-year-olds. Man, I can be spitting the most profound, life-altering wisdom and it is just lost on them sometimes, lost. Now, don't get me wrong, they're good kids, and they, they, uh, they do listen, but, you know, 
or 13. So, But there are these attitudes and actions that I believe affect our ability to hear from our Father. The attitudes are what Trey's been leading us through in the last few weeks, right? The priorities and perspectives. So I want to talk about that real quick. Priorities is number one. Getting our priorities straight is crucial in our ability to hear God. So easily in my own life, uh, I, I get my priorities out of order. I get pushed and pulled by the, the urgent, and I forsake the important. Trey described it as the tyranny of the urgent, and I love that. That feels so true, doesn't it? It feels like urgency is this tyrant, this bully that is that's trying to pull at my attention and getting me to forsake the things that are most important. I wonder if that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I remember years ago, and I wish I remember who said it, but uh, someone told me, every time you say yes to something, it means you're saying no to something else. And so if I say yes to a commitment outside the home, means I'm saying no to my family. If I say yes to that urge to check social media first thing in the morning, it means I'm saying no to that time being in prayer with God. So one thing I think we want to understand is that my priorities expose where my attention and my affections lie. My priorities expose where my attention and my affections lie. That's the importance of priorities. Number two, perspective. Romans 12, two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Renewed. Renewed just means made new. I think oftentimes we think of this scripture, we, we maybe think there's a slight adjustment that's happening, a little tweak in our thoughts. But the scripture is actually speaking to a very drastic change, a made new. My mind is no longer what, I, what it used to be. It's now made new. We're talking about a complete change, an overhaul of our mind, a brainwash. Sometimes people accuse Christians of being brainwashed. To that we say, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It means the way we used to think about things now seems so odd, so foreign. What used to seem right now seems wrong. And what used to seem wrong now seems right. This is the goal. When we have close communion with the Holy Spirit, we have access to this renewed mind. The renewed mind enables us to hear the voice of God and empowers us to live in his will. So those are the attitudes that I think can hinder or enhance our communication with God. But I wanna to talk today about the action. This is the practices, the, the practices that we can establish, and this is where I wanna spend the rest of our time today. Our practices shape who we are. A believer practices faith by developing practices in his life or her life that enables the voice of God to be heard and then followed. In the same way that musicians practice music, believers practice faith. We practice belief. Faith requires practice. And what we do matters. How we live our lives matters. We live in a post-Christian society, and so we're under the microscope a lot, I think, as Christians. 
And so we've got to be living this stuff out. And I always say this, but I say it because maybe I'm trying to get it in my own head. But if I believe Jesus is really who he says he is, then it's got to change everything. It changes everything about who I am and what I do. So as musicians practice music, faith, uh, believers practice faith, I had the meanest guitar teacher my freshman year at MTSU as a uh, music student. He wasn't, he wasn't that mean. He just was, you know, harsh. He was rough on us. He was not prone to giving out affirmation. And so every Wednesday afternoon, I knew I had to see this guy, and, I, and he was going to drill me on all the things, the, the modes and scales and improvisation and all those. And so you know what? I practiced. I practiced a lot that semester, and I got a lot better. I improved in those three months more than I had in the 10 years playing guitar before, and frankly, the 10 years after. And it's because I had all the motivation I needed. I was gonna see this guitar teacher, he was gonna be really tough on me, and it was gonna teach me the importance of practice. Faith takes practice. The more we practice it, the more we grow, the better we get at it. We grow in our faith as we hear the voice of God and we learn to follow it. When we walk through hard seasons in our lives and we still choose faith, our faith grows. When we're wounded by a church member and we still choose to come church believing that that's not an accurate representation of God, our faith grows. When we feel a prompting to pray for the sick, our faith grows. When we raise our hands in worship, even though it's a little uncomfortable, not, not because we're worthy, but because he's worthy, our faith grows. That's practicing faith. Have you heard the phrase practicing Christian? Someone described themselves as a practicing Christian or a practicing faith of some kind? What's the difference between a practicing Christian and a regular Christian? shouldn't be any difference, right? But the words betray us, right? Practicing Christian means that it's a Christian who's doing something about it, right? It's not just a hypothetical belief system. It's something that compels us to action. How silly it would be, pretend you don't know me, how silly would it be for me to tell you that I'm a musician? And when you ask me to play what I play, I say, oh, I, I don't play anything. You say, oh, so you sing. No, I don't, I don't sing either. I just love music. I believe in music. And I go to concerts every Sunday. And I even read the sheet music that they tell me I'm supposed to read. It would be kind of preposterous, right? You'd say, no, you're not a musician if you haven't put the time in that it takes to learn how to play music. So Christianity has always been a practicing faith. It's always been a faith that cannot be separated from action a faith that doesn't affect change is a philosophy. It's an idea. It's a hypothetical, theoretical framework that's meaningless and lifeless. James 2, 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So I'm not trying to guilt you or condemn you into acting this morning. I don't think I could even if I tried but I'm trying to compel us to realize that faith needs action. This is a faith that calls us to do something about it. So what are the practices that we can establish here today? 
The way I'm kind of thinking about this in my mind is this. We have principle practices, and we have practice principles. And as I say that, I can just see a single tear of joy coming down Trey's cheek. The alliteration and the wordplay. So this is how I'm thinking. We have these uh, principle practices, the practices that we feel are of greatest importance, and then we refine them with the practice principles, some guidelines that help guide us in those practices. Does that make sense? And I'm just offering suggestions here of some practices, but understand that the most important practice that you can establish is the one that you'll actually do, right? Have you heard the pastor's answer to the question, which translation of the Bible is the best? The one you'll read, right? So I have a list of possible principle practices here for you. And as you read, encourage yourself for the ones you'll you've already established, but challenge yourself to maybe add one this year or enhance one, go deeper in one that you've already established. So here we are, the principal practices. I think they have a list here. These are based on Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. This is a really good book. If you've not read it, I would, I'd encourage you to grab it. It's really good. <clears throat> and I think these are all self-explanatory, maybe guidance, Guidance is referring to uh, kind of community or friendships that you need to have accountability with or can you can, uh, conversation, uh, friendships that you can have spiritual conversations in. And so this is the guidance, maybe mentors. But these are all suggestions that come from Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. And so now let's talk about the practice principles. As I was studying and thinking and praying for this sermon today, I, I was amazed at how many parallels there are between the language of music and the language of faith. So I reached out to two friends of mine who are professional musicians, and I just wanted to ask them, what are the, the principles that you apply to your practice time? When you go and you practice and work on your instrument, what are the things that you focus on um, trying to work on yourself or maybe teaching your music students. And so their answers were awesome. And so that's what kind of I'm building this from today. Number one is build a foundation. My buddy Michael Ball said this one, build a foundation. He said, you can't grow without being solid in the fundamentals. And I can speak to that. As a guitarist, we're the world's worst at it. We want to play the Freebird solo. We want to learn how to play the Eddie Van Halen solo. But when it comes to scales, count me out, you know? But it's the scales that are the foundation of those solos. Faith is our foundation as Christians. Scripture says that it's impossible to please God without it. It has to be the foundation that we, that we build everything else on. The writer of Hebrews defines it for us. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You see, when I begin to practice this gift of faith that God has given me, my faith rises, I, I grow in it, and my expectations increase. I think we miss out on the voice of God sometimes because we have low expectations. We come to Sunday mornings, maybe Wednesday nights, and 
and we expect certain things, but I think we expect too little from God. What if we came on Sunday mornings expecting to hear the voice of God, to hear a life-changing, fresh voice that would lead us into action? I think we limit ourselves because we don't feel worthy to hear from God as well. I think we struggle with that a lot. Feel like we don't, we, we don't have access to someone so holy, right? Maybe that's the problem. But understand that your identity is a redeemed, loved son or daughter of God. That's your current status if you're in Christ. You were an enemy of God, and now you're a friend. You were an orphan, now you're adopted into the, to the priesthood of all believers. This is the new life of spiritual royalty that we are, are living in currently, and that's the place that we communicate with God. If we talk to God from that place, not arrogance, but boldness, we begin to live into our new identity, and we expect to hear from God. We expect to see God move and do what he does. I think that's the faith. Faith is the foundation of, of all that we do in these practices. Number two, fix the problem. Fix the problem. This is my personal practice principle. This is something that my students have heard me talk about more times than they would probably care to hear. Uh, but many times young players have this tendency where they, they get to a piece of the music where they struggle and then they start over the song at the beginning and then they come back to it and they, they mess up again and they start over at the beginning and, they, and it's, it's just a, it's not the most, it's not the best use of time. And so I say, focus on that problem, that focus, focus on that section of music, focus on how you got into it and how you're gonna get out of it, amen? That'll preach, right? They're making the most of their time by focusing on the problem, how, to, how they got into it and how to get out of it. Church, Christians, believers, faith practicers, practicing Christians, it's time that we start focusing on the problem. The problem isn't God. The problem isn't politicians. The problem isn't other people. The problem isn't, contrary to what Taylor Swift says, the problem isn't me, okay? The problem is the same that it's always been. It is this sin nature. It is this brokenness, this fallen state that we're all in. The prophet Jeremiah describes the heart as more deceitful than anything else and desperately sick. Romans 7:14. for I don't understand what I'm doing for I am not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. It's that sin struggle that we all are in. There's a marriage counseling technique um, that, that encourages married couples to sit down at the table on the same side, write the problem that they're facing down on a sheet of paper, and scoot the paper across to the other side of the table. It's a visual representation of the reality that we're talking about here, where we are a team and we're facing that problem as a team united together against the problem. My spouse is not the problem. The problem's the problem. Other people are not the problem. We're a team as believers. 
We're a team. We're meant to, to face problems together, be united as one, and say, sin, the enemy, that's the problem. How are we going to defeat this problem? You're not the problem. Number three, my friend Matt Hall said, learn how to listen. Learn how to listen. He actually said, listen more than you think you should. There's this concept in music called active listening where you listen to a song and you really start to dissect it. And um, you're, you're listening for specific things within the song, genre and style, uh, instrumentation, vocal arrangement, all the things. And the moment, since the moment I first learned guitar, uh, a song on guitar, I've not been able to hear music the same because I'm listening to music as a musician now. There's a filter there. I'm always analyzing music. I wonder if that could be the same for us as Christians. That no matter what we face in this life, there's that filter of faith. That we would hear God's voice because we've learned, we've been trained how to hear it. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. All right. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. A believer learns how to listen to God. The sheep become sensitive to their shepherd's voice and they recognize it because it's familiar. There's a spiritual mentor to me, Tim Johnson, uh, and he describes hearing the voice of God as uh, a thought that drops into his head. And I think that's the best way I've heard that described. And I know everybody hears the voice of God differently, but for me, that, that seemed uh, the most accurate, that it's a thought that doesn't quite seem like my thought, usually because it's a thought that's asking me to do something I don't wanna do, right? It's a thought that's gonna put me into an awkward and uncomfortable situation. That's usually the voice of God. But as uh, a follower of Christ, the more I learn to hear that voice and the, I, act, I act it out, I test it, the better I get at hearing it and recognize it. There's familiarity there. So just as a performance is the test of whether a musician has practiced or not. I think as believers, our tough seasons, our trials, our hardships, the suffering that we all face in life, I think those are the tests of whether or not we've been practicing faith. Are we like the tree planted by the water? When drought comes, we're rooted not in circumstances and feelings, not in seeking other things before the kingdom, not seeking success or financial security, are we rooted in faith? What practices can you establish in your life that could position you to receive God's revelation? After all this talk about the importance of practice, I think it would be appropriate for us to do a little practice in here today, is that okay? I wanna lead us through something called Lectio Divina. Megan, if you wanna come up and lead us through that, thank you. Um, if you've done this before, you know how powerful this can be. And uh, it's, it's a reading scripture with intentionality. And I know there are kids in the room and, and it's okay if we're gonna be quiet for a minute 
and still, but if the kids are making noise, it's all good. Let the kids be kids. We're not gonna, we're not gonna get worried about that. <clears throat> but this Jeremiah passage that we read this morning, we've been reading uh, through this series. This is the picture, I think, of what someone who is living out their faith, who is practicing principles and principle practices. And so uh, if you would, if you can, would you just close your eyes? I wanna lead us through this. You're not gonna read this scripture. It's just gonna be Megan leading uh, leading you, but I I want us to listen to this. I'm just gonna lead us through this process real quick. So first time, Megan, uh, read this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to repeat it again. Trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. She's going to read that again, and I want you to this time to listen to a word or a phrase that catches your attention. Is there something in there that strikes a chord with you? Is there something that challenges you? Focus on that word. Write that on your heart. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Take a moment and just quietly... Speak your thoughts, your feelings to God. Still listening for his voice. Offer to him prayer that would require all of yourself, including brokenness that needs healing. I'm gonna ask her to read it one more time. This time I want you to just rest in the awareness that God is present right now with you, that his word is alive, and that he has come to meet us here through his word and just enjoy and rest in that experience of being with God. One more time. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for being our shepherd, our father. God, help us to be willing to be uncomfortable, to be willing to 
step into new territory with you. You don't ask anything of us that would be harmful to us or, or hurtful. Help us to develop and establish practices that keep our minds focused on you, that would help develop our faith further. God, we want to be like a tree that's planted by the water, that stands firm, doesn't worry about the seasons in the past, doesn't worry about seasons in the future, but is enjoying the present. We thank you for loving us, providing for us, shepherding us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. Uh, if you would stand and, and sing with us, uh, the altars are going to be open.